I remember one time actually, cause my dog that we used to have when I was younger, she was the best dog. Like she actually was very good for a dog that we mm. never trained, but she also just like did whatever she wanted to do. One time she really did eat my homework. Oh. And so I went to school and I was like, that's such a line though. I literally brought it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's true. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like so hyper aware of it that you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, do, I gotta prove it. Yeah. <laughs> school this is a podcast about the world of education things that work things that don't work and ways we can improve it i'm ben heiklack and i'm erin mcnulty kowal today we wanted to talk to you about emotional intelligence but we wanted to talk about it in a little bit of a different way because emotional intelligence and education is usually focused on children but something that we've noticed is that there are a lot of adults in leadership positions in education who need some work on their emotional intelligence as well. So we wanted to discuss some ways that that can be implemented and maybe share some stories of our own experiences. Exactly. Because I I mean, I think we both are on the same page about this is that it's emotional intelligence isn't exactly something you can read in a book about. You more learn it from experiences that you have and uh basically through osmosis uh, of who you're around. And so when certain teachers are not working with their utmost emotional intelligence, sometimes it's the case that that's not imparting good behaviors onto the student either. So, I mean, talking about things like teachers that are short to make outbursts, teachers that are sometimes uh, quick to dismiss someone just because of some some reason or what or whatever whatever may happen. But there are a lot of opportun- or a lot of things you might see where teachers will react to students in ways that are not necessarily healthy for students' emotional intelligence. So, I mean, maybe uh, we can start by saying, have you ever had a teacher that was short to, had a quick short fuse or something? Oh, they all did. That's <laughs> that's why I became interested in education reform, because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, kind of like what we talked about on our YouTube video, I mentioned yeah. that I felt it and noticed it very early, and this is one of the biggest reasons, because when I started in, I think I was in first grade or second grade, I felt a little bit shocked that my teacher didn't seem to care about listening to me because I came from a family with two parents who, you know, are like into psychology and they really respected me and listened to my thoughts. So that's what I was used to at home. And so coming to school where I would just get in trouble for something that I never meant to do like it was just a misunderstanding and maybe could have been talked about like maybe I made a mistake maybe I wasn't listening just because I didn't notice the teacher was talking something like that but instead you were just yelled at 
Eh. Right. Or like embarrassed in front of the class Mm. because sometimes they had certain techniques. Like I remember in this class, you had to get up from your seat, go to the front of the room and switch your card. They had like traffic cards that were everyone started with green, which meant you're good to go. (laughs) And then if you did something wrong, you had to get up and switch it to yellow. Oh And then your last warning was if you switched it to red, which I think meant like I'm going to call your parents or something like that, which that's not very many chances. Yeah, (laughs) that's. I feel like sometimes teachers just, like, experience, like, they just watch one baseball game and are like, huh, three strikes. That'll work for my classroom. And then never even, like, an- analyze, like, why they're doing that. And I guess that's kind of the whole thesis of this podcast is what we're going to talk about is that sometimes we do a lot of behaviors that we just kind of enact upon and... and force upon other people in this case your students that you don't necessarily analyze or think about in any way and i don't know if necessarily three strikes and you're getting detention or we're calling your parents or something like that really works in any way like i I can't imagine I, I know personally there have been plenty of teachers I've had that do a similar take on that model, all kind of based around that idea of, like, you mess up three times and, and you're out of here. And every time I, like, think, like, well, like why, what does that mean? Like, why, it, like, I can only make two mistakes, essentially. Right. And then if I make a third mistake, then I'm just, like, immediately, like, screwed over and I have to stay after class. Right. Like, and it's like, well, if you make two or three mistakes, however many it is, it's like, well, you must be a bad kid. Yeah. And there's no saving you. <laughs> if you make two mistakes, you're still a good kid. But if you make that third one, that means you're a bad kid. <laughs> it's like, it's the most simple-minded idea of like what makes a person good or bad. And it like doesn't necessarily, it, like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me in any way. Like, cause I mean, yeah, sometimes students are rowdy. Sometimes students will talk back or get angry or something like that. But what we should do as a role of a teacher is not necessarily try to like tamp that down to get them just to be quiet, is to notice the signs of that kind of behavior and find some means of doing an intervention that actually helps that student and doesn't like keep them it doesn't make them feel like they need to either suppress something or get so angry and loud that they have to fight back to justify their their experience because that's what will happen if you yell at a student like they're just either going to be quiet about it and keep it inside and then that will lead to behavior in different ways later or they will uh, act out even more because they feel like they're not at all being listened to and will get even angrier because that I mean if one of the things people hate most I think is the feeling of not being heard so that is something that can make a lot of people really angry and if, if we focus instead on like saying like hey, this student is has been quiet today. He's kind of acting up in different in a way that's like a little different than uh, than the way he normally acts. What can I do to uh, intervene in this situation to see what's happening with him and to see what 
I can do to make him feel better about the situation. Because that's what emotional intelligence is. It's being able to see in others signs of certain emotions and certain feelings that people are having. It's not necessarily the... it, 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 there's an internal factor of it and then there's also the external factor of it in seeing it in others and I think you need both in order to do it effectively yeah yeah actually the other day there was this incident um, at work where one of the kids because sometimes there are kids who really act out and misbehave and they're the most like sensitive emotional people it's just that they've experienced role models with poor emotional intelligence and so therefore that's you know what they know and they don't know how to handle the way that they feel but sometimes those people are like underneath it all really the sweetest and most sensitive except they have anger Mm -hmm. and so you know it manifests in a bad way but there was this kid earlier this week at my school who was bothering one of the kids in my class. So the kid who was in my class came up to me and he was like, he keeps trying to fight me like every morning on the bus. And today Mm. he poked me in the eye or something or did something to my eye. And so then I tried to talk to that kid, but he was non-responsive, like wouldn't answer me, (laughs) kept his head down, was walking away from me. Probably because he knew... He knew what he did. He he knew what he did and he knew that he probably would get yelled at. Right. And it wouldn't and it would feel like he was Yeah, and it wouldn't help anything. Right. And so then um, I followed him into the cafeteria that he was going into and he wasn't talking to me. And so then I sat down with him and I said, I'm going to leave you alone for a little while, but I'm going to come back and I want you to talk to me because I'm not trying to yell at you or get you in trouble. I want to listen to you and I want to hear your side of whatever happened. Mm. And so then I left because I had other stuff that I had to do and I sure, couldn't yeah. just wait. Still have a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then there was this other... Um, like a coworker of mine who she seemed to have a pretty good relationship with him. Like he didn't necessarily listen to her either, but I think that he was more inclined to listen to her than, you mm. know, some other people. So then she came out with him to where I was a little bit later and she was like, okay, so tell her, <laughs> like, tell her what you told me, say what happened. And then he told me, he was like, I didn't poke him in the eye. And then I said, well, then what happened? And he goes, I spit in his eye. So then I said, well, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, because I didn't want him sitting next to me. And so then I mm-hmm. said, well, how would you feel if you just, you know, were getting on the bus one day and just sat in a seat and then somebody spit in your eye <laughs> just because you were sitting next to them? Yeah. And then he goes, I would feel sad. And then he was actually some kids say that just because but I could see on his face like when he said that to me he was feeling it and Mm -hmm. he had like tears in his eyes and so then I said yeah exactly that's how you know this other kid felt you made him feel really sad and then I could like you know how when somebody is upset and you can just feel their sadness inside of you (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like a sign of your good emotional intelligence (laughs) that you can tell that but yeah no definitely there's yeah there's usually like a feeling in the air yeah like it was so heavy that I just felt what he was feeling and then I looked Mm. at him and I said you're a nice boy and I can see that Mm. on your face and I know that you didn't mean to hurt anybody and that you would never want to hurt anybody Mm. and then I said to him I think that maybe you could go say sorry to him because you really didn't mean it 
And so he went to go do that. But the fact that he got teary-eyed, you know, he's not a bad kid. He just doesn't know how to deal with the things that he's feeling. Yeah, and I mean, can you blame him? Because he's only been on this planet for, like, how old is he? In preschool, like four or five. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time you spend around that many people. Mm -hmm. It's Especially in preschool and kindergarten, those are years when you are all of a sudden taken from your family and you are expected to just kind of get along with this group of other kids your age who are all kind of not really sure what proper social behavior is around kids your own age unless you've had a lot of siblings the same age or something like that but I mean a lot of times you don't know necessarily what you're doing from that perspective so you just kind of overreact in different ways and don't know what to do so you do need to be like told that yes this isn't good behavior but they're like 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 that example like you didn't yell at him to tell him that and I think like if you did then that would be kind of like bad because he would be ashamed of his initial behavior so he would probably second guess himself in a lot of other ways too yeah he would just internalize it if he was yelled at yeah yeah and I mean that's that's good to hear that there was some form of peaceful intervention in that situation Mm -hmm. and I think like that's kind of what we should always strive for in in different course like behavior like that and I think the the main times when I see personally when I've experienced it in courses in like my classroom experience as well as um like when I see it in other teachers is um when a someone is disrupting class and you are trying to teach and you get frustrated with their constant disruption that seems to be the one of the main times like during like lecture times that that's like really a big uh point for outbursts on the teacher's end i noticed like I had tons of professors, tons of teachers in in my um, high school experience who would frequently resort to like screaming just because there's talking in class or something like that. And I get the idea. I get the instinct is that it is distracting. It's it's very um, like we're just saying it feels like you're not being listened to as a teacher. Um, And so that, you know, is not a great feeling and would probably lead to that kind of a reaction but I think we need to take a step back before we act in that way before we resort to our instinctual desire to yell to get attention and instead um, find a different way because when you think about kids who yell at teachers they're doing that for a similar instinct they're doing that because they they feel like they aren't being heard Mm-hmm. or um, are feeling like they're being misunderstood and so they yell out of anger and then certain teachers will turn around and do the exact same thing because students are talking in class and like you don't you don't see the connection there that like that's the same exact behavior there just needs to be um, it's just instinctual so like there needs to be some way to like kind of step back and analyze why you are having that reaction and see if there's a better reaction you can do instead I guess yeah definitely and 
I've noticed that a lot of that comes from also people kind of breathing down your neck. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure on teachers to do things a certain way and to get certain results. And sometimes a teacher... And just to get through certain material in a day too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes a teacher's natural way of doing things, which might work better if given a chance, like if somebody was just trusted and maybe, you know, still given constructive criticism because none of us are perfect. You know, it's still like good to notice when something can be improved. But if teachers were trusted a little bit more also, then maybe they would be able to get through things more effectively. But I think that a lot of teachers have this stress that things need to like, if somebody walks by their classroom and kids are talking, then something's going to get checked off on a notepad Mm -hmm. and like, oh, this teacher's not doing a good job just because of one thing that they saw. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so it's true. Right. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. And so teachers feel this pressure and anxiety of like it needs to be perfect and nothing can go wrong or else I'm going to get fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I guess that is an unfortunate reality of our uh, administrative world is that we put a lot of pressure on our teachers to get so much done that we don't necessarily uh, respect that sometimes things work at their own paces mm-hmm. and sometimes you, you just can't get through all the information because students are going through something and are not able to fully concentrate like I mean I was a student during um, 9-11 I mean mm-hmm. and I remember that day being particularly very unproductive because information just like kept coming in and you just weren't able to like understand like any I I couldn't remember I couldn't tell you anything about like what I learned in cl- in class that day I was in 5th grade and like but for some reason they just felt like oh we still need to get through all this material I I still need to like teach you all this information in music class and things like that and I'm like I I get that now in retrospect I'm like yes I understand that it's important to like get through whatever information on the like grade book is necessary to cover, but I do really expect people to ingest that information properly on on a day where there's like chaos in in one of the most in the one of the largest American cities. It's like it's just it was it was so strange to think about now that like you you were still expected to be like fully to alert. be a robot still. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> to just like work through your stuff and this i mean this was fifth grade too this is like it's like crazy times so like i don't know yeah it's just like it's just really funny to me that like in retrospect thinking back about like how seriously we had to take it that day uh even though like there's i mean like what how important is that information in general especially since i don't remember any of it now (laughs) right that's funny i remember maybe it's just because my parents picked me up Mm. that maybe i didn't experience that but definitely what would have been more beneficial and kids would have remembered it better is if teachers kind of sat with the ones who weren't picked up yet and talked about what was going on Mm -hmm. and if they could you know we were little, so I understand them not talking about the really dark things, but maybe introducing them to the way government works a little bit mm-hmm. and a little bit of the dark side without getting, you yeah. know, traumatically dark. But Yeah, exactly. And I mean, to their credit, uh, they did the next day have everybody kind of 
devote a little bit of time in the beginning of each class to kind of just talk about it and kind of go over like what happened and explain like why things are happening and things like that so it you know to the to their credit they eventually did it but i think it was a little bit too little too late in a lot of ways because that the time when everybody really needed it was like that day especially because i know personally i didn't even believe it was happening and then was shocked when i came home and like i was just like oh my god it did really happen so like i don't know there was just like a very crazy chaotic time and so i mean i think like if you for if if our administrative level schooling was as emotionally intelligent as we want our teachers to be, as we want our students to be, then they would be okay with giving a little bit of time to... Yes, I was just thinking that as it came out of your mouth. Yeah, (laughs) because if people were more emotionally intelligent, or adults, I mean, Mm -hmm. not people, but if the adults in that situation were more emotionally intelligent, then they would have been able to experience the feelings that they were having, Mm -hmm. but choose to express things in a calm manner and get things organized and be like, this is what's happening, Mm -hmm. so let's address it. Let's be, you know, spontaneous and forget mm-hmm. about the curriculum for a second. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, to especially to younger teachers of younger students, you are in a lot of ways not just a teacher. You are um, kind of a child therapist in a lot of ways. Uh, you have to be an emotional ballast for a lot of people dealing with a lot of emotions in a lot of in a lot of ways because kids are emotional creatures they have to experience a lot of things that for the first time and are sensitive to a lot of new things and so it's it can be very stressful for them and obviously for for you as a as a teacher but it's important to not um try to just like work past that it's important to kind of encourage more of an of a dialogue around those kinds of things and those feelings and to make students feel like they're not so um insane for feeling that way or yeah for, for having a bad day or for um just even like feeling sad because i know there were plenty of times where i especially in high school felt like in a sad mood or felt like I was, um, yeah, just, just in general sad. And there would be teachers that would be like, that weren't necessarily like, they probably weren't trying to like make fun of me, but they were like pointing out to everybody that like, I was kind of, I sounded different or something like that. And I don't know, like when you're, when you're not feeling great, when you're in a bad mood, the last thing you want to be told is like that somebody notices that you're in that way, unless they're like really looking out for the best of you. Like, it's just like, it never feels good to be like, especially in like a public setting of like a classroom to be like, Hey, you feel you, you sound sad. Are you sad? Yeah, I guess. Like, yes, do you want me to tell my story? I'm just going (laughs) to, yeah. So, like, I mean, in those ways, I was just like, "Uh, no, I'm not. I'm fine or whatever. So, like, you just kind of learn to, like, lie to teachers just to, like, get get them off your your case in that way, too. So, like, that's a kind of way where uh, you're 
emotionally intelligent enough to detect when someone's not feeling great, but you're not emotionally intelligent enough to know how to kind of mitigate that in a way that's productive and healthy. Yes. Yes. I noticed that a lot in one of the schools that I worked at because it's for show. Mm. Not always. I'm not trying to write off like people's intentions because I do believe that people are mostly good, but sometimes they don't care to dig deeper because they feel like they've done their part with that surface level checking in like, Oh, are you sad? No. Okay. Yeah. I I did my part. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that is like a, sad reality to a lot of the a lot of how we're taught to think about emotional intelligence and things like that and I know like personally that was a lot of the I like we were like we started out this whole podcast talking about when I was developing my own emotional intelligence I learned from things like that where I was able to, I was empathetic enough to tell when people were feeling sad or feeling angry or in a, in an off mood or something like that. But I wasn't able to like know what to do about that. And so like, as any team boy, you kind of just learn to like, kind of joke around about that stuff in general. And so like, I would just end up being like kind of a jerk and making jokes about someone feeling in a in a bad mood or something like that and never really like fully empathizing in that way and it took me a while to get out of that that sort of instinct to uh, joke around about someone feeling bad and to instead be like a emotional ballast for that person and be like hey are you feeling all right in a one-on-one setting not necessarily in a public setting so right yeah yeah. that yeah that shows how much of an impact adults have Mm. on kids regardless of age like whether you're in high school or younger sometimes you unconsciously learn things and it gives you like if you're feeling upset and it's already hard for you to deal with then that negativity kind of gives you an excuse to repress it Mm -hmm. and you know do what you did like treat people the way that you were treated yeah yeah exactly i mean it is it is really a um i guess a series of dominoes in that way that like you get treated a certain way then you treat others that way in turn they treat others that way so it really is a uh a chain of kind of that kind of poor emotional intelligence but that means that on the bright side that when you see healthy emotional intelligence and being displayed and are treated with respect and empathy, then you in turn will treat others with that as well. So I think it's uh, as much of a problem as it is. I think it's just as easy to fix it as well. Once once we like put in the work and Mm -hmm. have the conversations around it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I was just thinking about this as you were talking I think something that's really sad is that if this doesn't get fixed or as it hasn't gotten fixed, sometimes there are kids who are very emotionally intelligent, more emotionally intelligent than the adults. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it just makes me kind of sad that there's a possibility that they could lose that a little bit because of what they're experiencing. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking about a story as you were talking from a school that I used to work at in the past. There was this little boy who 
was like my best friend. We were like partners in crime and I just loved him. Mm. And so one day they had free time during their class and he wanted to play catch with me because at recess, sometimes I would play with like a big ball with them. So he associated that with like free time. And so he was playing with me and then all the rest of the boys that were in that class were on computers and they were doing something like some kind of video game thing. Mm. And so... I wondered, I was like, do you want to go play with them? And then he thought for a second and he looked over at them and then he goes, um, I kind of do want to go play with them, but then are you going to be sad if I leave? (laughs) I was like, oh no, that's okay. I told him, I was like, it's so sweet that you said that and that you thought about that, but I'm not going to be sad. I'll be happy if you go play with your friends. That is the most adorable, sweet story I've ever heard. Yes, and he was in fourth grade. You know, he wasn't just like a little preschooler Mm -hmm. who hears that on TV. Like, he was old enough to have his own real thoughts, but still young. You know, he wasn't like a teenager or anything. Totally. But he realized, like... He, he cared enough, uh, like, about you. As an adult, as yeah, an adult he saw me as like, a human being. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's there's just so much empathy there. It's really, that's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that is that is one of the more interesting things about this, too, is that I do find that, because I think in a lot of ways, empathy and um, sort of, yeah, I guess specifically empathy is a sort of innate, feature in humans that in a lot of ways we do kind of beat it out of us and so that in a lot of ways some children and kids are more emotionally intelligent in in different ways than adults in in certain situations so there there is an element of sort of a uh a learning, a co-learning uh, between adults and, and kids in that way. So, like, it's not necessarily just something that is passed down from adult to kid in that way. So, yeah. it's important to recognize that as well. I think that's a, that's a really uh, interesting point as well to think about. Yeah, yeah. definitely, because... As we were talking about a little bit earlier, kids really challenge you to say what you mean mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that makes sense. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I find that to be the most challenging because I think that I'm like pretty patient with children. But sometimes if I have like five kids coming up to me at once mm-hmm. telling me all these different things and sometimes telling me things that I don't even fully understand but I know that they have to get something done and there's like an agenda sometimes I mean I try my best to like figure out how to communicate but sometimes things come out of my mouth and I'm like I don't even know what I just told you totally yeah (laughs) it gets overwhelming yeah Yeah. I mean the yeah that is an element of it is that you do have to do a little bit of translating from adult speak to uh, younger people speak even even high school students don't have the same experiential knowledge that an adult has so you do have to do a little bit of translating every to every person you talk to and to get them to understand what you're talking about i mean even other adults you have to do this too so it's not even necessarily just like a thing for kids but um it when doing that especially when teaching kids all kids kind of have that natural curiosity and want to have the thing translated specifically to them as well. So, or they'll have a different thing translated to you and they don't have the patience to kind of go through that. So it is a lot on the instructor to prioritize and uh, kind of pick apart and like to start with one thing and then work on the other things from there. And that that is something that if you are not as good at that, 
uh, can lead to you just getting overwhelmed and saying something either that doesn't make any sense or just being like, well, let's not talk about this right now. All <laughs> right. We'll talk else. about it later we'll when I've had some time yeah, to yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll just, just I, we do say that sometimes. Well, not yeah. because of that, but like sometimes when you have to get them in a line mm-hmm. and like they're all there at once, sometimes <laughs> the teachers that I work with and I are like, you know what? Let's talk about this in the classroom. Yeah, totally. Because we just can't right now. I mean, yeah, sometimes you do have to just uh, say, yeah, let's talk about it a different time because I mean... I know. I've That's probably better than, you know, exploding or something. Yeah, or being exactly. like, well, and saying something yeah, totally. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, sometimes that is used in with like a little bit of uh, a um, pessimistic intent that, oh, they'll just forget about it later or something yeah, like that. Yeah, sometimes that, that does yeah. happen. Not intentionally, does, yeah. but sometimes you forget. Oh, totally. And then if they don't remind you, you're like, shoot, I yeah. told them I, we would talk about it, and now yeah. it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes, you know, we, uh, again, we all make mistakes, so, you know, there's, you can't, you can't exactly give everyone every piece of knowledge. Yeah, we're human. Need, so, yeah, but there are, um, if you do have to, like, say, like, yeah, let's talk about it later or some other time, uh, just, like, do it, you know, make sure that you're doing that with the full intention of yeah. saying, like, yeah, I will try to actually talk about this with them later. Not just, like, well, let's just get them shut up for now. Because <laughs> I do feel like there, there were plenty of times when I was told that as an <laughs> intent of, all right, you can just shut up for now. We'll we'll talk later. Oh, sure. my God. Yeah, that cool. actually reminded me of something that happened to me when I was oh, really? a kid. Yeah, when I was in eighth grade, I remember we went on this class trip. And at this point, I can I feel like I can look back and sympathize with her a little bit about what <laughs> happened. But at the time, I felt very offended. So what happened was we were all getting off the bus and we had packed suitcases because I think that it was like an overnight oh. trip that we had because we were in eighth grade. So it was some kind of trip. And then we're getting off, and the teachers made the boys get off and, like, take out everybody's luggage, including the girls. And Hmm. I didn't really like that because I'm like, I want to do my own. Like, I don't want somebody else taking my luggage and putting it somewhere. And I I don't like – I'm – you know, I hate when people are like, the boys will do this and the girls will do that. Like, that just has always bothered me. Yeah, so then we get off, and I decided to ask one of the teachers about it. I said, um – why can't the girls get their luggage? Like, I just casually asked, and then she turns to me and she goes, Erin, I am not in the mood for this right now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I just I just was like, fine. Like, I didn't say Jeez. that, but I just was like, well, yeah. I guess I can't talk to you about it. <laughs> I guess not, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure, like, field trips are stressful, but and still, that's... And it was overnight, like, so I have like, some th- some sympathy for her, because mm-hmm. now that I've experienced working with kids, I get it. I'm sure she was really tired, and she was just Absolutely. kind of like, can we please not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and I'm sure even her instinct probably was to be like, yeah, let's maybe not do that, but I'm sure it was just kind of the way that... It was. It was for no reason, that's it why. It just happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was for no reason. Yeah, so like, you know. So she didn't have the energy to explain <laughs> that it was for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because once you say that, then it opens up a whole other door of questions and things like that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. There's probably better ways to tell you that you don't want to talk about it right now. She could have just been like, yeah, Aaron, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just really tired right now. I understand the right question. Kind of don't think it's the best. That could have been a good time to be like, I get what you're saying. I mm-hmm. feel really drained. Can you remind me tomorrow? Yeah, and we totally. Can talk about it. Yeah, I think I think that's like that's the other thing is that like we don't necessarily need to like 
it's not so much like I think a lot of teachers are afraid to admit weakness in yes. any way like they'll they'll phrase it in that way that I'm not in the mood or something like that but like really you know it's you know you, you're you can say like I'm yeah, I don't feel up to this conversation right now because it's going to be uh, I know it's going to be a big one. So like, you know, you you can you can postpone things for that reason. It's not it's not like weak to say like I I don't feel up for this right now. We can we can talk about this later, but like I it, it I know it's going to be intense and we're in the middle of a field trip right now. So that there it, that's another way to like because that is a form of that's like a direct lesson in emotional intelligence is that like learning that there is a time and place for certain things and you have to have both parties being a willing participant to have a more deep uh conversation around things like that yeah i mean especially in that situation you're gonna go into pretty deep conversation about like gender and gender roles and that kind of stuff so like it it, it can be there I mean there you're not always able to have that conversation yeah I'm not gonna be able to have that conversation with like the person I'm checking out at Trader Joe's checking out with a Trader Joe's or something like that right. because like there's no time yeah it's in a tight place so like you know it's it's all right to admit that to mm-hmm. a student you don't need to like dismiss them to a certain extent just to like end that conversation I think right and this is slightly off topic but I also think that that situation and what you were just explaining speaks to you know the amount of for lack of a better word disrespect children get a lot of the time Mm. because we're still human beings who have certain rights to things and you know we have a right to deal with our own luggage if we choose to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the boys had a right to not want to deal with somebody else's luggage. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like that's all another reason that teachers would be short with something like that because it's like we know that it's actually not really right of us to force anybody to do something like that. Yeah. It's okay to ask if things can be organized that way of working together with everyone being like, listen, this will be faster. Can everyone mm-hmm. in the front part of the bus just take out the luggage and then, you know, like working together? Yeah, yeah. But forcing people and not answering questions yeah. and, you know. Just because of... A just because they feel like that. general idea of boys being a little bit more strong and doing we're in eighth physical grade. labor. Like I'm sure yeah. we were taller than all the boys. Yeah, at that point, it's <laughs> kind of pretty much level playing field. If not, the women are a little bit more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little bit more strong in that way because they hit puberty faster. So yeah, I mean, like yeah, it, it is. It is just like. I, yeah, I get that though. It's it's just like a it's it's a very uh, silly idea of just like kind of going with just emotional shorthands instead of actually like kind of having a dialogue and and uh, understanding that system thoroughly and in, in analyzing it in a different way. Before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about this um, specific study from the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. It's done through uh, Yale are they university? Yeah, university. <laughs> um, so this is all based around, uh, it was kind of a ma- it was uh, testing the effectiveness of um, students based around um, what version of like the big five emotional traits extroversion, agreeableness mm-hmm. neuroticism and openness to experience it basically confirms exactly what you'd expect is that like a student who is a little bit more um, encouraged to be 
more um, open and extroverted uh, will be uh, a little bit more, um, have more of a positive experience and get more out of the educational experience. And so, like, we need to remember that, like, these training the students to, like, kind of embrace that aspect of our emotional lives can really help even in even in the more practical aspects of education so it's important to remember that like when your students are i i instinctively say when your students are happy but it's really not that when your students are more emotionally intelligent right they are able to do better in school actually so this is like I mean, this benefits in a lot of ways. Right. Or just even when they're still just working toward emotional intelligence, even when they're motivated through eustress instead of stress, which I guess would fall under neuroticism. But like eustress for people who are listening who might not know, that's the kind of stress you experience when you're motivated to be doing something kind of like, you know, when you're playing your video games, Mm. you feel a little bit on edge, but you're excited. Like you're doing it and you're motivated to do well. Exactly. That's the kind of stress that's good Mm -hmm. and yeah I think I feel like that's sort of what you were describing like even exactly yeah I think that's that's exactly what it is is that like because neuroticism is more of the self-doubt kind of stress and obviously that's going to lead to more of a less good experience in education and probably less good grades in that way um and we can see exactly how that happens in how we train people to be neurotic is to constantly be judging them or silencing them, making them think about their their actions in ways that are self-judgmental or self-hating because you used a judgmental or maybe a more negative way of stopping them, of doing that behavior in the past. And so to instead focus more on a positive way to um, encourage a more positive outlet of that behavior instead can lead to better gains as a um as a school so i think in general it's just better to think about ways to um encourage that more positivity in your in your classroom in your administrative level uh, even in one-to-one student level relationships so yeah definitely and before we are finished, I also think that that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about admitting weaknesses sometimes, because mm-hmm. since we are human and sometimes we'll mess up, another way of helping students with emotional intelligence is being like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I messed up before because I was feeling stressed and that wasn't the best way to handle it, but I should have done it like this. And I just want you to know that I didn't mean to come off the way that I did and I do understand your feelings you know something like that yeah yeah exactly I think it's I yeah I I can't I don't think I've ever been apologized to Mm -hmm. by a teacher but I know like that would be that I mean that's just the way to make it feel better is just like talk it out with them afterwards so when you encourage that kind of behavior more it's it's I mean it's amazing what you can see so yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Maybe 
because we wanted to make a YouTube video yep. on this topic still. And I feel like even though we've talked for so much, <laughs> I feel like there's still even more to say. Absolutely. But maybe we can continue that actually. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. We'll we'll make a, a future YouTube video about that. And of course, like about other topics as well. So we're still very excited about this project so it should be uh that should be a lot more cool stuff coming in the future um and uh i'll include the uh link to that study as well as just links to the yale center for emotional intelligence because they do a lot of really cool stuff uh they uh, even do uh seminars and things like that and uh educational programs through uh their ruler program and so i mean check those out if you're an educator or if you're an administrator because i mean they they've really worked wonders with a lot of schools that you should just check out their story it's really amazing um and uh we'll post a few other uh links and information in the in the notes as well so be sure to check those out and uh We'll be sure to uh, follow on Instagram. Uh, let's talk about school. Also, something that would be really helpful for us is if you left us some feedback. Yeah, if you got right. involved, yes, yeah. comment. Either find the Instagram page and yeah. leave comments, or is there a way to comment on SoundCloud or iTunes? Uh, you can comment on the SoundCloud. You can. Uh, we will read any reviews that you write on our. Um, on our iTunes page, so feel free to uh, write any comments in there or um, just to rate and review us because that also helps more people find us. And um, also, yeah, you can comment on the SoundCloud, uh, reach out to us through uh, the uh, blog or Instagram, and uh, yeah, feel free to contact us any way that you feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, thank yeah. you, because we want to hear your thoughts. We It will give us some more to talk about in the future. Yeah, Because the point of this is to foster a discussion, so we totally. hope to hear more from all yeah. of you. Yeah, and maybe at some point in the future, uh, if we get good letters, then uh, we can uh, read them on air, and uh, we'll give you a shout-out as well. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks again for uh, listening, and... Let's continue to talk about school. See you then.